Chapter Sixteen of Tom Playfair or Making a Start by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Sixteen, in which Tom enters upon a career of extravagance. When Arthur awoke next morning, he stared in no little surprise at Tom, who was standing before a mirror and surveying himself with evident complacency why tom he called out are you a real boy or is the whole thing a dream yes answered tom with his customary modesty it's a sure thing that i'm a real boy what are you staring at but you've got my clothes on yes don't i look fine in them you do look well in anything tom but in the meantime how am i to dress take mine came the sententious answer as tom turned his back to the mirror and craned his neck in a vain effort to see how he looked from that point of view no i won't tom you've been too good to me already i'll not take another thing from you all right if you don't put those clothes on you'll have to stay in bed for a while i'm going to leave in about ten minutes i won't put them on you've got to see here didn't you tell me last night that you'd take my advice yes but then you know never mind the rest my first advice is to put on those togs of mine they're a pretty good suit but i've got another suit along with me that's just as good tom as usual had his way and waxed enthusiastic over his new friend's appearance my arthur but you look splendid you see you're rather skinny and your own suit made it plain to everybody now you look like you're a young swell indeed arthur's appearance had really improved even his face had changed for the better the eyes shone with a joyous twinkle the lines of misery and distress had softened the refinement and delicacy of expression were now quite noticeable two months upon the streets who would believe it of that gentle boy doubtless arthur's guardian angel could have explained the mystery and into that explanation would have largely entered the sweet prayers and tender sympathy and elevating influence of a dear little sister's love tom did not hear any guardian angel say this but it came home to him all the same as he gazed upon arthur who was blushing under his scrutiny arthur he said aloud i want your sister to see you in good form it will do her more good than all the quinine and paregoric in the world when you walk in on her the way you are now we'll get breakfast right away and then you'll bring me down to the depot so as i can find my way to uncle's and we'll shake hands for a while then to-morrow you'll come and pay me a visit that's a nice plan tom but you must come and see my sister first me exclaimed tom shocked into the objective case why it would spoil the whole plan there'd be no fun at all when she sees me rigged out in your clothes i'll tell her anyhow even if you don't come and i'll fetch her round to see you too it's my turn now to have my way you've got to come but i never talk to girls i don't even know how it's done pshaw that's nothing you know she's almost a baby i don't like babies said tom growing eloquent one baby looks just the same as another and if you don't say a baby looks just like its pa its mamma gets mad then babies don't do anything but scream and eat they've no hair and no teeth and no sense the only thing good about a baby is that it doesn't stay that way forever it grows into something but it's tiresome waiting kate has a full head of hair a set of teeth and lots of sense for her age now tom i'll feel really miserable if you don't come tom sighed 
She's only nine, he inquired. Just nine a few months ago. Well, I'll go, Arthur. Then Arthur wrung his hand and so beamed over with joy that Tom became fully reconciled to what he considered the coming ordeal. And an ordeal it promised to be from the very start. For when an hour later, the two, having finished their breakfast, entered the hospital and were walking along a vast corridor, a little girl with streaming hair and shining eyes came running toward them. Oh, Arthur, she cried, dashing straight at Tom, who ducked very cleverly and looked as sheepish as it was possible for him to look, while the girl checked herself and sprang back, blushing, and Arthur shook with suppressed laughter. I, eh, uh, eh, uh, it's the other fellow, I think, blurted out Tom. And the other fellow, with great tact, put an end to the awkwardness of the situation by catching little sister and saluting her in true brotherly fashion. And now, Kate, he said archly, let me introduce you to the boy you were throwing yourself at. He's the best. Oh, I say, broke in Tom, you needn't begin that way. It's bad enough. I'm Tom Playfair, and you're Kate Bain. How do you do, Kate? And Tom shook hands with some return of his ordinary coolness. Oh, Mr. Playfair. Tom interpolated the young gentleman in patched attire. Tom, she went on, accepting the correction, but I really thought you were Brother Arthur. Oh, it's all right now, said Tom. I'm not used to being taken for a brother. You see, I never had any sisters, and that's why I got so nervous. And then, despite our hero's protests, Arthur insisted upon describing at length the adventures of the preceding night. It was an awkward time for Tom, but, as he sat in the neatly appointed room into which Kate had conducted them, he bore it with what meekness he could summon for the occasion. The little child who faced him was very like Arthur, with a beautiful and refined face, but so pale and thin. Sickness had stolen the rosy hue of health and left in its stead a pallor upon the delicate features. Sickness had worn away the rounded cheeks till a face, lighted by large, beautiful eyes, was such as lofty-minded artists dream and ponder, but fail to reproduce as angel forms. Tom, said Kate, when Arthur had come to an end, I dreamed last night that St. Joseph was going to help me and Brother Arthur. She carries his statue in her pocket, whispered Arthur, and prays to him often. I wish you'd pray to him, Kate, to get me out of trouble. I'm lost, and I think my uncle will make it pretty hot for me. He gets mad so easily. My dream has come true like in a fairy book. Do you like fairy stories? I do. And Arthur, you look so well now. And I've got some good news, too. What? cried Arthur. Guess. A situation for me. Guess again. It's a letter. Who from? From a lady in Danesville. Danesville? That's where our Uncle Archer used to live. You're getting hot, Arthur. What do you think it says? Come on and tell me. While brother and sister were speaking, Tom drew a railroad timetable from his pocket and began running his eyes over it. It says that Uncle Archer is the nicest man, and oh, such a lot of things. Here, read it, Arthur. And Kate produced the letter. Why, exclaimed Arthur, glancing at the superscription, this is a letter to Sister Alexia. You didn't guess that. Yes, she wrote without saying anything to me, and, and, why don't you read it? Listen, Tom, you know our story. Dear Sister Alexia, there is a Mr. Archer in Danesville, a Mr. F. W. Archer. There now, he isn't in California, exclaimed Kate, her eyes dancing. 
he is in comfortable circumstances and as good as he is wealthy everybody esteems him he is now past middle age has an excellent wife but lost his two beautiful children a boy of three and another of five two years ago on a trip to california his wife is a very sweet woman and very affectionate they had intended on leaving for california to remain there but the loss of their two children brought them back to danesville their residence is two four zero lombard street why kate exclaimed arthur this is news it's almost too good to be true danesville is in this state and and didn't mamma say that her brother was the best of men broke in kate and now we're going to see him soon kate i'll tell you a secret when papa was dying he told me to take you to our uncle in los angeles but after the funeral we didn't have enough money and i thought it awful hard but now it's best we didn't go i never told you papa's order Helloa, said tom here we are danesville is on the road between here and st mary's one hundred and twenty miles from cincinnati how many days will it take to get there asked kate eagerly days you don't expect to go there by streetcar, do you it won't take more than six hours and there's a train starts at half past eleven this morning oh arthur and kate clasped her hands and looked anxiously at her brother the next question pursued tom is how much have you two got i've fifteen cents and a quarter with a hole in it answered kate and i said her brother have eighty-five cents well i happen to be well off just now and i really didn't know what to do with my money now little girl you just go and pack up your clothes and dolls and things like that and if you don't hurry up about it you'll miss the train tom said arthur how you find your way to your uncle oh there'll be no trouble about that once i get to the depot where i came in i can easily find my way to the streetcar uncle took and i know just where he got off but tom where'll i write to you to tell you how everything turns out send your letter to the burnett house afterward i'll send you my address in due time preparations for departure were completed tom took possession of kate's valise it was very light witnessed an affectionate parting scene between the nuns and the little girl and before brother and sister could fairly realize what a change had come in their prospects he had arrangements for their tickets and seats in the parlor car and given the colored porter directions concerning the little travelers which rather astonished that functionary kate and arthur cried on bidding their protector good-bye and our generous friend experienced a dimness about the eyes himself as he stood at the passenger entrance and waved his hand in farewell tom and arthur were not to meet again for several years but their friendship defied separation two days later tom received a letter from arthur enclosing twenty-five dollars and giving a glowing account of the cordial reception accorded them by his uncle with this letter came a note from mr archer himself containing such warm expressions of gratitude as made tom blush at every line the correspondence thus begun continued for years until tom and arthur met well that belongs to another story so it was that our hero left the depot light of pocket and light of heart he had but one dollar left of the twenty-five given him by his father he took it out and gazed at it well i've had fifty dollars worth of fun and now i'll go and buy a dinner and after that i'll go back to uncle meadow and for the rest of my stay here i reckon i'll have to be poor and honest with a sigh tom entered an oyster parlor and when he came forth he had five cents left for car fare End of chapter 16 
Recording by Maria Therese.